The world's attention was riveted eight days ago as Charles, Philip, Arthur, George, Mountbatten, Windsor. Now, if you think you have a long name, you don't. Charles, Philip, Arthur, George, Mountbatten, Windsor became the king of the United Kingdom and its 14 other Commonwealth states. The coronation that took place on May the 6th was full of pageantry. It was attended by heads of state literally from around the world. At 73, he becomes the oldest individual to accede to the British throne. But to nearly every person in this room, the monarchical leadership of the United Kingdom is not synonymous with Charles, but rather the mother of the king, Elizabeth. She is the one that most everybody in this room, save the oldest among us, perhaps in their 80s or 90s, may remember before Elizabeth, but most all of us assume when you talk the monarchical leadership of the United Kingdom, you think of the mother of the king, Elizabeth. For 70 years, Elizabeth Alexandra Mary was the longest reigning monarch and also had the longest reign of any female head of state in history. The mother of a king. So today, I felt it quite fitting on Mother's Day to preach on the mother of a king. Everybody say, the mother of a king. To adequately define the characteristics necessary to be the mother of a king, one must go back a whole lot farther than February 1952 when Elizabeth began her reign. You see, it was in late 2019 that Stacy and I had the privilege of visiting Rome. As we walked the streets of that historic city, visiting the Colosseum and the gilded halls of the Vatican, I noticed the almost angelic persona portrayed in statues and pictures of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary always, in every statue and in every painting, had a peaceful look on her face. That's not real life. Moms, can I get an amen? amen. Moms, are there any days when if a snapshot was taken of you, it's anything but peace? It's, oh my goodness, Lord, let this day end so we can get this over with. And yet, in almost an angelic-like way, Mary is portrayed around the globe as this up-here mom, separate from every other mother alive. It seems out of balance to me, the view of Mary. It's the idea that she is prayed to. Do you realize that today, that hundreds 
of millions of people around this world pray to her as somewhat of an intermediary to Jesus himself. But this mother of a king provides a baseline, for example. How does a real person achieve greatness? How does one become the mother of a king? How does one become the one who sires a king? How how, how do you do that? Is that something that is relegated to some exclusive group of people without faults and without failings and without trouble and without stress? Surely, that's the kind of person that can be a mother of a king. I would say to you that the scripture tells us an entirely different story. First of all, if we're going to be the mother of a king, if there's going to be any mother in this room that's going to be the mother of a king, first of all, we must make friends and feel okay with feelings of inadequacy. It's got to be understood. Everybody say inadequacies. Now I'd like you to help somebody out that's near you right now. I don't want you to be mean when you say this, but I'd like you to look at someone and just say this to them. Just trust me right now. I know some of you, I've not met you, but please trust me. Look at someone around you and say, there's one throne in heaven. Come on, say it to them again. There's one throne in heaven. And then look back at them and say, and your name's not on that throne. Oh, that's a revelation, huh? When we get to heaven and see that one throne, we're not going to see the name Tim over the throne. We're not going to see the name Jonathan over the throne. We're not going to see the name Lloyd over the throne. There's not going to be any of our names over that throne. There is one name that is over that throne. There is one that sits on that throne. And until that time, we're going to have to wrestle with feelings of inadequacy. We're going to have to wrestle with feelings of we don't have what it takes. Well, the mother of a king faced that feeling. It was Mary, the mother of Jesus, who the Bible says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, the occasion of an angel visiting, my goodness, write that down, tweet about that, post about that on Instagram, get a little private picture of that angel that's coming in. Somebody needs to put that on a reel. But when she saw him, the Bible says, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Think about this with me, moms. An angel shows up and says, you're going to have a baby. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And he, the angel gave Mary the sneak peek at the end of the story. We don't get that luxury with our kids. No doctor comes in the delivery room and says, congratulations, ma'am, you've had a baby boy. Let me tell you what the end is going to be for him. 
But the angel declares this to Mary. You would think she would be excited. He's going to have a throne that has no end. He's going to have influence and importance. And yet Mary, in response, said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? You see, this mother of a king struggled immensely with feelings of inadequacy. How do I bring that that you spoke to pass? I don't have that in my own ability. I can't get the baby from here to there. How can this happen? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Listen to me. I know of no mother, and I've talked to a bunch of them in my lifetime. I know of no mother who inherently thinks that they have every quality necessary to raise a champion. I know of no mother that is so conceited that when their children are born, they don't have fleeting thoughts of inadequacy. I wonder if I'm up to the task. I wonder if I've got what it takes. I'm not a mother, but I am a parent. And I'll tell you, there were days and nights that I sat in the living room when my kids were younger. In the middle of the night, Stacy didn't know I was up, and I was praying to the Lord, saying, Lord, am I doing this right? God, am I on the right path? I feel so inadequate in this. But there is something embedded in the story of this mother of a king. That when we feel inadequate, we've got to reach up for strength that we do not possess on our own. We've got to reach up for strength that we can only access through faith and say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. But with you, all things are possible. Come on, I feel like maybe the angel would speak today and say, I know you think it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I know you may think you can't get there, but I can take you there. See, the mother of a king struggled with inadequacy. She had to be thinking about it a while. She had to ponder it in her heart. There was a little bit of time that went by before she finally said, be it unto me according to your word. I want to remind us today what Paul the Apostle said to a mixed group of people in the city of Corinth in his second letter. And it defines the remedy for our inadequacy when he puts pen to paper and says it clearly. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God. If you're going to raise a champion, we've got to have God's help. If we're going to raise a king, we've got to have God's help. If we're going to have success in our life, we are not self-made people. We must have the help of the Lord. See, the mother of a king teaches us that. That it's all right to feel inadequate as long as you trust the Lord for what you don't have. Amen. The mother of a king also teaches us the power 
the releasing power of a mother's words. Moms, you have immense power in your words. More power than you probably even realize in your mouth, what you say. And let me ask a quick question, not a, not a trick question, honest question. And this can be on the good side or the bad side. I'm not going to ask you to define which one. But how many of you at least once or a hundred times in your life remember something emphatic that your mother said to you? Now, here's the interesting thing. There's some folks in here that just raised your hand. You're older. Now, that's not a blast. I'm with you. But that means it was probably stated to you years ago. But those words have weight. And those words have power. Notice what the Bible says in John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Mary was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. That's nice. You can be with family. You can sit with family at the wedding. And when they, the wedding party, ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, his mother, Woman, and I preached a lot about that. That's a brave man right there. Woman. Mm. Unless you're the son of God, don't say that. <laughs> Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, I'm going to preach a little more from this passage, but it hit me like a bomb a few days ago on this. My hour has not yet come. Do you know what Jesus is saying right there? Now's not the time, but there's coming a time. In other words, I don't think it's right now, but there's going to come a day I'm going to do the miraculous. And his mother ignored that reply. And said to the servants, servants, whatever he says to do, do it. <laughs> Notice, mom, she never turned to Jesus and said, if this is okay with you, I'm going to let these wonderful servants know that when you're ready to act, they need to follow your direction. Is that okay, Poochie? None of that. Now listen, we can read this passage and feel a whole lot better about our families. Because this kind of communication happened in Jesus' family. We get this idea that in Jesus' family, everyone floated around the house. Good morning, mother. Good morning, Jesus. No. Hey, mom, it's not time yet. I can almost see mom going, 
Whatever he says to do, just do it. Do you realize that Mary, the mother of a king, released her son into supernatural ministry through her words? She said, hey, now this is not in the Bible. I'm not, I'm not taking it and twisting the Bible. It's almost as though she said, get ready, guys. It's fixing to throw down right here. Get ready. Watch what happens right now. Whatever he says to do, do it. And now Jesus, who is 100% man, 100% son of Mary, 100% child of Mary. How many of you know we never quit being the boy and the girl? Has to make a decision up. Am I going to lean on the 100% God right now? Or am I going to lean on the 100%? It was the words of his mama that released him into ministry. It was the words of his mother that created something in the atmosphere of faith. It was the words of his mother that gave credence to this supernatural Jesus. Here's what the Bible says. From that day forward, he was working miracles. From that day forward, he was known as the miracle worker. So it was not just activity, it was identity. And it happened when his mama lifted up her voice and spoke it. Mama, I'm going to tell you something. Your words are powerful today. You can speak words over your children that release them into ministry, release them into kingdom use. That's what a mother of a king does. She understands the power of her words. Look at someone and say the power of words. Bob Green was a, was a columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times and for years was an award-winning columnist. And uh, when he was in his late 60s getting ready to retire, someone interviewed him, and they asked him, they said, Bob, how did you get your start in writing? You're a great columnist. You put great words together. He won all sorts of prizes and awards. How would you get your start? And Bob Green said this. He said, it was when I was in fourth grade, without hesitation. He said, it was when I was in fourth grade. Had a sweet lady for, as a teacher. And um, I was sitting at my desk, and she gave an assignment to write a paper. And it was an elementary paper because they're in fourth grade. But it was a paper nonetheless. And so he said, I, I did the best that I could. And I wrote my paper. I turned it in. The day came a couple days later for papers to be handed back with grades on it. He said, when I got the paper, my teacher slid it across the desk, and I noticed all the other students were getting their grades, and some of them were hanging their head dejected, and others were smiling. But when my teacher slid my paper across the desk with a bright red ink on it, it had the letter A at the top. He said, I was so excited about that. Then he said, but the thing that got my attention was not the one letter at the top, but the sentence underneath that. It was just four words making up this sentence. So you have the letter A at the top in red ink, and underneath the A is four words he said that forever changed my life because my teacher had written this under the letter A. This is good writing. 
And he said, all of a sudden, it hit me. She knows way more about writing than I do. And she is saying, this is good writing. My teacher is saying, this is good writing. The person that knows is saying, this is good writing. I must be a good writer. And he said, from that day forward, I gave myself to writing. I committed myself to writing. I've made a good living out of writing. But it all started with four words. This is good writing. Moms, you have so much power with your words. Your words are more powerful than your recipes. And keep the recipes coming. <laughs> your words are more powerful than your housekeeping skills. Your words are more powerful than anything else you could provide. There's something in the mother of a king that understands the release that happens in their children when they speak faith over them. Not just simply where they're at, but what God will do in their life. That's a mother of a king. But any story of Mary, any story of this mother of a king, would be absolutely incomplete without a proper understanding that life sometimes doesn't happen like we think it should. I was in our track today and sitting in where Jessica and Adam Pelkey were teaching on the family, and they did a marvelous job teaching, just a great, great job teaching about routines and rhythms and uh, so insightful. And... Um, I love their honesty and their vulnerability because they said this is, this is how we set it up to be a routine. But we also understand that life happens. You know, Ward and June Cleaver, all the older folks know exactly who I'm talking about right now, have Wally and Beaver in their house. That's an old, old show. And it was perfect all the time. It's perfect. That, that's not real life. So, so, moms, what do you do when all the best laid plans do not work out? When you pray and they don't turn out like you, you prayed for. You prayed for a certain direction in their life and it doesn't happen like that. Surely you can't be called the mother of a king, huh? If, if things don't work out, well, I beg to differ because the Bible's very clear that in the life of a mother of a king, there's another characteristic that is absolutely embedded in Scripture. In John chapter 19 and verse number 25, when the Scripture simply says this, Jesus' mother stood near his cross. Because the mother of a king is always loyal, loyal to the end. 
Now listen, I've been a pastor for a number of years now, and there's something that I have realized is a minefield. You ready? I'm going to be real frank, real candid, real transparent with you. Is when you get to talking to people about their kids. Some of you are really trying to be sanctified right now. <laughs> Not me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there's something that's, that's powerful about that connection. Don't get, don't get between a mama bear and a cub. No. Mm-mm. Why? Because even if they run away and do bad and are living like the devil and all that, let's not go there. Because till the bitter end, mama's going to be loyal. When everyone else runs away, mama's going to be there. It's interesting to note that when everything fell apart in Mary's dream for Jesus, when everybody else had run away save John, there were just a couple others at the cross, but one of them was Mary. Because the mother of a king is always loyal. She's there. If you look closely at that picture, she's there. You know, I've always wondered. I grew up, and I've been a sports fan my whole life, and I'll see little clips of someone winning a championship or some basketball player who just had a great game, and the reporter will come up and interview them, and they'll, they'll, Brother Michael, they'll they'll talk about the game and all their, their great feats on the court. And then right before the camera pans away and the reporter goes on to someone else, they'll finish the interview with this, two words. Hi, Mom. How many of you have ever seen an athlete do that? Hi, Mom. Now, when I became a dad, I took that to heart. That kind of bugged me. Because <laughs> I've never seen an athlete go, hey, and before I go, hey, Dad. It doesn't happen. Why, why does that not happen? Because Mom is always there. Mom was the one driving them to the practices in the middle of the, uh, the night. Mom was the one getting up and, and, and making sure the lunch was packed, to go on the trip, to be on the team. Mom was the one. They give honor to the one who is loyal. They give honor to the one who is always there. So, Mom, I'm just going to speak over you today. Before we leave this house, I'm going to speak faith over every mom. I'm preaching to moms that some of your prayers have not been answered yet. Some of your prayers haven't come to pass yet. Some of your prayers are still being stored up in that vial that the Scripture says, and you wish, you wish, you wish, and you pray that they would come to pass. I've got a word of faith for moms, the same Mary that stood by the cross of her son. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Watch this. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, She's just a few days removed from being one of the only ones standing at the foot of destruction and distress. And now, just on the hope 
that maybe things will change. She's now in an upper room waiting on something to happen that has never happened before. But I've got a word of faith for a mama in this room. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and the Holy Ghost was poured out. I'm preaching to mamas that have answers that have not come. Hang on. Stay loyal. There is a Pentecost coming. There is a breakthrough coming. Come on, mama. Stay loyal. The answer is coming soon. Now's not the time to give up on loyalty. Now's not the time to throw in the towel and say, I wonder if maybe I should quit praying. It's just going to be what it is. No, the mother of a king is so loyal that they believe that hope will spring alive and the answer will come. Will come. I want you to stand with me if you would, please. Here's what I would like to ask. Here's what I would like to ask. I'd like us to pray together as families. Now, I realize... I realize that not everybody's mom is here today. So this altar appeal, this prayer appeal right now is not simply for those that, whose moms are here. But it's rather to, to surround ourselves with the presence of God and let God bless our moms that are present, but also bless the church that is present today. So we're going to do that simply, and here is what we're going to do. And I'm going to ask everybody in this house, everybody look right up here. You have been so kind. I felt like you've really been listening today. You've been so kind to listen to as I preach. But I'm going to ask in just a moment for every person here to let's come forward for prayer. This is not a call for membership. This is not in anything other than just a, a time for prayer. But you know what? I'm going to ask for your indulgence right now that we're going to come together for prayer and we're going to let the presence of God envelop us. Fair enough? Can you come? Can you come quickly? Just from all over the room. Members and guests alike. Come on, we're just going to come together for prayer. We're just going to come together for prayer. Want to pray a blessing over our moms. Want to pray a blessing over our families. Praise God. Just come in. Step up close if you would, Sister Deborah. Come on. Step up close so everybody can get in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to get us a song to sing on our way out today. In just a moment, I'm going to slip out by the front door because I want to greet everybody that's here, as many people as I can. Say hi to, wish you a happy Mother's Day, and get one of those cakes. I mean, you get one of those cakes. <laughs> Lord, you've given us such a wonderful opportunity to be together today. I do not take it for granted, God, that I'm with the people of God. God, I thank you so much for not only our members that are here that call this their home church, but our wonderful guests that are here as well. God, we're honored just to be in your presence today. We've been singing about your presence. We've been singing about the fact that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
you're above all, you're through all, and you're in us all, Lord. I, I just pray over this body of people right now that in these few precious closing moments of this Mother's Day service that you would wrap your arms around families right now. You would strengthen mothers. You would strengthen the role of mothers, Lord. You would strengthen the weak places and lift up the feeble hands and embolden the prayer lives of, men, of ladies in this room that have been praying faithfully for years for their family. Let them receive the word of faith that the answer is on the way and loyalty will be rewarded. I pray in the name of Jesus that all of us in this room would understand the power of our words to speak life. Especially our moms right now, Lord. That's how a mother of a king responds, is speaking life and releasing things over our children's lives. Releasing the potential that you have for our kids, Lord. I pray you'd let us live by that, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that in our inadequacy, you make up the difference, Lord. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves, but it is of Christ. Let us never forget that, Lord. I don't want to forget that today. I pray a special anointing over families, Lord. Just keep your family close to you right now. Just pull them close to you right now. And maybe you find someone that's near you that's a single person. Maybe you want to adopt them into your prayer group right now. God, I speak your blessing over my family. I speak a, a disciple-making spirit, God. We're on a good track. We're making a fresh start as a family. That's it. There's something about a voice that's lifted saying, God, we're heading toward you. We're coming into your presence, Lord. We're making good, constructive decisions about our families, God. We yield ourselves to you right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I pray. Bless every family represented in this room, Lord. Speak a great blessing upon the mothers that are here. I thank you for it, Lord. I praise you, God, for our moms. Strengthen them today, God. Let this be a wonderful day of refreshing for our mothers, Lord. Let this be a wonderful day of refreshing for our moms, I pray. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel inside of me today a very strong, strong burden to make sure with every breath that I have to try to convince just, I'm one person, but to convince every mom in this room how valuable you are. The whole idea of females is under attack in our country. The very essence of what it is to be a woman is under attack in this country. And so I'm one person, but I want to look you in the eye today and tell you you are a gift from God. You are so necessary in this kingdom. You have such a role in this kingdom. Don't let the world tell you different. Don't let the world tell you different. You are so very needed and special. So go raise a king. Go follow the pattern of the mother of a king. Praise God.